everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. Double trouble. I double dog dare you to watch double this episode. Your pleasure, double your fun. Da 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 double me come. Yep, it's that's not it. right. Nope, that's it though. But that's that's our version of it. It's double right. date gum. It's fine. We got to come up with our own theme song and that we won't be trying to steal someone else's all the time. Uh, today's episode, brand new series, yet again. This one is Your Numbers Up. Yeah. Had you ever heard of it or seen this episode or an episode from this series before? No, I had scrolled past that season series, so I knew it existed, mm-hmm. but I have not watched one yet. I was very excited. Oh, good. This is also not to be confused with Murder by Numbers, which is also a series. Yeah, it's totally different. I don't know what the difference is, except for that seems to have a lot of seasons, and this has one and three episodes only. So this was not a hit. There haven't been as many murders involving lottery winners as you might assume. We're going to watch them all, but we're starting with this one. And this one is called Fate's Cruel Hand. And I'm going to state with some confidence that it should not be called that. Yeah. Right? I don't know what that is implying. It was all foretold what happened here. It wasn't choices people made. Who's, whose hand? Who? Fate's. Fate is a third party in this. How about Fate is a Fickle Mistress? Would that be a good title for this? No, because this has nothing to do with Fate. And they don't tell the story as such. Otherwise, no. they would have done a lot of like, I mean, okay, I get what they're saying, because she wanted to be rich when she was younger. So a lot of people do. But why can't then we call this dreams of grandeur? Right. Much better. Okay. I just feel like... Be careful what you wish for. And I feel like that could pertain to any of them, though. But Fate's Cruel Hand does not specifically play into this episode in the slightest. No. No. Still a great episode. I thought that it was going to be something was going to happen with a hand, is basically what I'm saying. I thought it was a play on words. It's a not. hand, like an actual hand? Yes, like maybe she was going to be strangled. Oh, like meant someone was going to like lose their hand? Something, right. She would lose her hand at she signing a check. a hand of blackjack and then yep. lost it all. Right, but we don't get any. Again, these are all things that would logically make sense for it to happen in an episode. The expression that fate has a hand, that's just like... No, I know it's not. No, it totally is. What I'm saying is I thought that it was a clever wordplay for something that happens in the episode so that it would make sense. It doesn't. So uh, it's this is called Fate's Cruel Hand about a lottery winner who when things go bad, they go real bad. Things are up, things are down. And when your number's up, your number's up. No, I think Fate's Cruel Hand is like the title of my first book. (laughs) It makes more sense. You're like Joe. Yeah. So we open in Canada. Now, I was under the impression that nothing bad happened in Canada. So immediately I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, okay. Yeah, I feel misled. Yeah. We're in a middle-class suburb of Canada in a hair salon owned by Evie Roncaoli. Roncaoli. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She's 61 years old. She has, as her friend describes, and then there's her niece who talks a lot. We're getting niece interviews. Niece-in-law, which is an expression I've never heard. Very But confusing. it's her niece-in-law. So a niece-in-law. But we're getting, um, interestingly, though, the niece-in-law looks like she could be related to our main character, to Evie. So like a blood relative. But well, in-law means Now you're just she's implying not. incest. And that's I'm not, wrong. not trying to do that. I'm not saying that Canadians have any incest. That's that's fully our game. Canadians <laughs> stay away from that. So it's true. I think the Brits do it too. I wasn't going to mention that, but I was thinking that too. So you said it. I didn't. The documentary I'm, I saw was mostly British people. What was it called? Um, I was about that sexual genetic attraction thing. Why were you watching that? I'm fast. It's the most fascinating thing. And then years later, I was on. Uh, these are their stories. With Kevin and Rebecca, and the episode happened to be about that. And I was like the only one of the three that had ever heard of it. And they thought I was real weird for knowing about it. Nah, I'm just surrounded by weirdos. Okay. (laughs) So Evie Roncaoli um, has a beautiful face, blonde hair, and a big heart. Now, 90% of this is going to be reenactment. Very little is interview, um, but it is interspersed. And it's, again, very well shot. Really fun to watch. It's it's great, like, yes. cinematography-wise. Evie has been married for 30 years to Joe, and he's an obstetrician 
and they have two adult sons. They have like um, a modest, ordinary life. I mean, he's a doctor, so it's probably a little bit above ordinary. Yeah, they seem, made it seem very drab. Yeah, they did. But I think that's more to do with she has like visions of grandeur. She wants to live in the big mansion. She wants to have all the things that like a Hollywood movie star has. That's kind yeah. of Evie's thing. We see a reenactment of her doing hair. And then we see someone come up to her and holding up a lottery ticket. And this is when we immediately find out that every week she plays her numbers, hoping to get lucky Mm -hmm. and get a better life for herself. Uh, Then we rewind to... You could do it louder. You're right on key. I'm not sure if I am. I still haven't heard the song. So um, we flashback. 25 years ago, Evie came to camp. That can't be right. She's been married for 30 years to Joe. But when we flashback, they say she came to Canada 25 years ago. No, it had to be 35. Thank you. 35 years ago. Um, she comes in a very cute hat and red lipstick. As She looked gorgeous. Unbelievable. As a Hungarian immigrant. Um, mm-hmm. Her country is war-torn at this period. And as they said, bleak was the adjective they used. She comes on her own without her family. She wants a fresh start and she wants a better life for herself, the life that she sees in all the Hollywood movies. But, of course, reality is a cruel mistress, cruel hand mm-hmm. of fate. And when she gets here, of nothing is handed to her and she has to work very, very hard to try to support herself. But then fate steps in, not the cruel one, the good one, and she needs to go to ER for what appears to be in the reenactment a cut finger. But it looks like she cut off half of her finger. Little bit. It like there's like a hole on the side of her finger that is red with blood. They don't tell us that that they said a minor procedure. And I don't know why she would see this doctor. He must have been in training. That's what they said. Or doing his rounds or something. They said he was in training. This is before he got his specialty. Okay. Because it's like, why you don't see an OBGYN for... That's not a free... Also, the actress playing her did not know how to cut that carrot. And I was worried before she cut her finger that she was going to cut her finger. Because it was the slices. I'm bad, but I know you're supposed to have like more even slices. But she looked like she had never used a knife before. And I was worried in my head. I thought, oh my God, she's going to cut herself. And then she cut herself for real. Well, I mean, the the actor didn't. The character did. And maybe it was a character choice. She's literally looking around, scanning the room, and holding the knife, like, like with a limp wrist, kind of like flicking it at the at the cucumber or the carrot or whatever it is. She's like, you're going to slit your wrist that way. Like, you're going to, I'm surprised she only got a finger. At one point, she cut off a piece that's like three inches. Yeah. (laughs) And then the next time, it's like razor thin. And then the next time, it's like three quarters of a chunk that's taken out. And then somebody I was like, gets, she's gonna get fired from that job immediately. And then someone gets a chunk of a finger in their salad mm-hmm. because Sally limp hand can't. Oh, there's fate's limp hand. That's what it should have been called. So she has to go to the ER for her finger and she meets a handsome new doctor named Joe Roncaioli. And it is love at first sight. And it is he's new. You're right. It's not he hasn't gone into his specialty yet. This is when he's first starting out. Um and he has kind of a funny joke in the reenactment. He says, well, it can't be saved. She sort of looks up and her eyes are like Ariel in The Little Mermaid. It's like Disney cartoon, giant Bambi eyes. And he says, you're going to need to find yourself a new dishcloth because he's holding her bloody dishcloth that her finger was wrapped in. Did you find that charming? Funny. Would you fall for that? No. Would you be irritated? No. Would you be flattered that he was flirting with you? I wouldn't think he was flirting with me. I would think he was trying to get me to not pass out because of all the blood. Or he's just a dad type joke guy. You're you're going to need flirting lessons. I think so. We need to send you to an online course during social distancing. I'm not able to pretend that something is funny if it wasn't, as you know, clearly. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you have to do that, but you do have to recognize if somebody is trying to give you a wink, wink. You need to be able to recognize it. Yeah. Your reaction is going to be your reaction. No one's going to change that. So he, of course, asks her on a date. And at the date, her voice is very, very high-pitched for some reason. I don't know if you noticed that. Did you hear that? 
No, because I, I think because my own is and I don't like to hear my own. But hers is like, it's not a normal high pitch. She's going, I'm 25. Oh. <laughs> did you? Did you hear that? No, it's, I didn't. But good catch. My thought is that's the first scene that they shot. And she was putting on a little bit of a voice in the first well, couple scenes. Well, she does have an indeterminate accent that I guess is Hungarian. Eastern European. Yeah. General. Yeah. Could be anywhere. Um, so inevitably they get married because, of course, we need to speed this along. And E.B. thinks her dreams have come true. I mean, she's marrying a doctor. I, your parents would think that, too. Is that because we're Jewish? Uh, it's because he's a doctor. And That's every Jewish mother's dream. But it's also like a lawyer. There's some jobs that you're like, oh, you're going to have money. You're probably going to get a Jaguar. Like, that's kind of what I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's always the case, but in my head, that's the two equals that. So five years later, unfortunately, she finds herself just keeping house and raising their two sons in, again, something that is described as a very modest house, not the mansion. And there are no like riches beyond her wildest dreams. She is wearing a very, very sparkly daisy blouse that is very current in this scene. Did you see it? No. It's sheer with applique daisies on it, but it's very 1990 or very 2020. Kind of took me by surprise because I'm not sure what year we're supposed to be in, but I don't think either of those years. Anyways, she starts to get at this point when she's at home with the two kids uh, by herself day after day. She's starting oh, wait. to get. I'm sorry. When she met him, there was a line where one where one of the people that are being interviewed says he was smitten by her and she was smitten by his promise for the future. And I went, was that shade? Yeah, that was shade. Good That's catch. shade, right? Full shade. Yeah. Oh, boy. But she's starting to get. Even though he does, he has a very promising future. She's starting to get a little jealous of him looking at all the quote unquote pretty girls at work and watching them undress day after day. He's just looking at Clovis's just day and night Clovi. And I have to ask myself a very real question where if my husband, oh, I don't know, was a gynecologist. I don't know. I think I would just more feel bad that then he'd have to come home and handle mine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like you do this all day. Like, did he know what if there was something wrong right away? Well, that comes up later and we'll get to that because it's a very big problem with this whole story. Oh, so we'll we'll get to that in a bit. Oh, so did you click? Oh, yeah. There's something that very important that we find out at the end, a big secret that. Um, interesting. Yeah. Does that interesting, right? I don't know. I feel like that could interesting. No. Hmm. So I understand her being jealous because also she's just home with her own thoughts and idleness breeds um, the devil's cruel hand of fate. So idle hands breed. I'm just trying to cruel hand. Yeah, they go hand in hand. (laughs) Yes, they do. I'm going to make that title work. Mm -hmm. Um, Hell or hand water. So every day. E.B. takes a walk by Thornhill, which is this really rich suburb in Toronto. And there's all these beautiful, huge mansions of which we see one. And it's pink. Yeah. Thoughts. Where's that house? I liked it. It was very 80s. Where is it? Where where are they filming? They film in Canada. Most of these ID shows, I think. So oh, do probably they? is Canadian. It's been it's like a pink Victorian. It's very special. I'll say that. And it would be a special person that lived there for sure. Yes. Um, but she imagines herself, you know, as a rich starlet in this house. And we get like flashes of her with like champagne and jewels and a fur and all that stuff. In her imagination. In her imagine in her Im- imagination in the reenactment nation. Yeah. That's inception. The reenactment actor has their in their imagination. A reenactment has another yeah. reenactment going on. This is a deep episode. Um yeah. So she does what any red-blooded Canadian does, and she starts gambling. <laughs> That's not true. Um, she goes to the races and starts betting on the ponies, which I didn't know they had pony races in Canada. Who knew? She wears little gloves and a hat, which is the, the only fun thing about horse racing that I can tell, is that you get to wear an outfit, and she wore an outfit. She is waiting, and like you see like the horses going around and all this stuff, and it's like just reaction shots of her, like, will he, won't he, there he goes, no. And she's all by herself, which is weird, because there's all these women behind her, and I'm like, can't you be friends with them? But no. And then she loses, and I guess 
I don't know how many times she did that and lost. They don't tell us, but it says they tell us it never delivered her big payout. So she just sticks to playing the lottery once a week. I have no information about the Canada lottery system. Nothing. I did want to do some math, but we'll do it when she wins. Okay. Really? I did want to, I'd wanted to estimate how much she has spent because the lottery to me doesn't make a lot of sense. I just feel like you're wasting your money. But Mm. if you've played, she plays for like 30 years. Yes, she does. So how much is a ticket? That's That's what I'm wondering. So So look that up. Look that up while I tell the rest of this. Okay. Okay. So um, for the next 20 years, she plays the lottery. And so when we're meeting her now, our current EB is 61 years old. And they tell us that she's no longer a bombshell, which was that shade. Yes, that's shade. And she still was very very good looking. And absolutely, she's a bombshell. Stop that. Um, but she starts to become suspicious of her husband once again. Her sons are now all grown up and away from home. So she's got a lot of time on her hands. And her husband's not always coming home at the time that he says he's going to, etc. Uh, but she continues to play the lottery in dreams of her better life. So then one day, December 1991, the jackpot, the jackpot, I don't know if they say it's a weekly jackpot, but I can't imagine it's a weekly jackpot for 10 million. That seems way too high, but. Well, it compounds when people don't win, right? Doesn't it get keep getting higher and higher? That's in the United States, but is that how it works in Canada? And also, I'm pretty sure that the, the lottery here is one state or maybe two states together, but is mm-hmm. the Canadian lottery all of Canada? Right. That's my thought, too. Um, That's one point. Um, But it's $10 million regardless. And her and her business partner, the two owners of the salon, they split a ticket, which is also why I really want to know how much a ticket is, because here a ticket is a dollar. You buy one ticket, one set of numbers for a dollar. So here it says that. Are they $10? Well, there's like games and then. $20 gives you a chance to win the quarter of a million prize. Uh, $5 gives you a chance to win $100,000. So to win 5 million, that doesn't make any sense. You'd have to spend a lot of money. Um, So So how much was it for a quarter of a million? $20 for a ticket. So they split a ticket. They paid $10 each, let's say. Okay, let's say, sure. Let's say they they paid 5 to 10 a ticket. Something like, I think more like five seems reasonable, right? Yes, nineteen ninety one. I think five. Okay, five. So let's say they spent five dollars times um, fifty two weeks, right? Times thirty years, right? Seven thousand eight hundred. That's not as bad as I thought. She came out on top. She definitely came out on top. I was thinking it would be a lot higher. She would come out on top if it was a hundred thousand. It's still a lot, but not over thirty years. I color me surprised. Does it make you think about maybe buying a lot five tick numbers every week and trying for the next 30 years? Maybe. I'm thinking about it. We could do it. We could do an experiment. My dad played. My dad played. Um, what did he play? Oh, I don't remember what game it was exactly, but I know he didn't play regularly, but he did play like once a month when it was like a big jackpot. I remember he would play and he would always and you'd only ever get one ticket, one numbers, one dollar, like his little line of numbers one dollar and he would say well you got to be in it to win it what does that mean you have to buy a ticket to you can't like look back and say oh if only i bought a ticket like what happens to daryl in the office oh that's rough right so that's rough i was thinking about that too throughout this episode and oliver's work does it occasionally which i thought you'd find fascinating they do but they do where they each put in 20 and so they get like uh, like 500 tickets Oh, my gosh. And then they they like somebody sits at home and goes and they agree to split it. Does he partake? Absolutely. He does when they do it. Because I would feel just too. I would feel like Daryl and I would. Oh, I told him to do it. There was one time I didn't ever know he did it. And he asked me, he's like, hey, do you have a do you have a 20? I don't think I did. And he was like, "Okay, I got to stop at 7. I got to get a 20. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, we're playing. It's lottery day. I got to turn in my money. And I was like, tell me everything right now. Stop what you're doing. (laughs) And so, yeah, but it sounds really fun. Um, And I guess a couple of years back, people won. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? But if you're getting 500 tickets. Yeah, I know. So if um, our listeners want to start a pool, I got two dollars. I'm not very lucky when it comes to winning things, though. I really don't don't say that. I, I want to be honest with the people. I know. I don't like it. I don't like scratching off things. I don't like that dirty, like... Yeah, that's not... Yeah. The dirty coin stuff. I don't like that. 
yeah, that's not this. I don't even like that anymore. That's not this. Um, and I used to think those were so fun. Not anymore. Not when you like just don't win ever. It's not fun. To love scratchers. Yeah, I was really poor. And I had visions of grandeur. Me and E.B. would have been best friends. Um, but I did not drive through Bel Air and look at the houses and be like, one day. I didn't do that. <laughs> Part of your world. Um, so when... They call the numbers. It's the most dramatic thing in the world. They stretch it out just like I wanted them to. And they're so excited. And I get excited when I watch other people get excited. Like I was getting excited. They're getting more and more excited. And it's like five numbers. And then finally they call the last one. And they do exactly what I was hoping they do, which is jump up and down in slow motion. Oh, so much slow motion. So much slow motion. Their necklaces go in. The whole thing. Their skirts flying. And it was just. The costumer had put them in jewelry. I'm like, don't put them in jewelry for this scene. I thought it was so much fun, and I was trying to imagine what you and I would do if we won $10 million. And I feel like one of us might have to go to hospital. I feel like I would evacuate my... um... Yeah. Would you throw up? I feel like I might throw up. No, I feel like I would pee for sure, because that has been my immediate reaction when (laughs) surprised thing at your wedding. (laughs) That's when something happens that's very sudden that that's like I was not expecting. Then the pee just all evacuated my, not my bowels, my bladder. And um, so I feel it. Oh, and then I might pass out. I might like actually get like, I might pass out. Yeah, You might ha- have the vapors. I think I would full on have For the, the first time yeah. ever. I don't even mm-hmm. know. I think I would. When I won that... Um, the thing on the cruise ship when I won that little trophy from the slot tournament. I I was so excited. I couldn't move. I was like, (laughs) I was like in a ball and couldn't stop smiling. And I just kept looking at Ollie and going, I win. I win. I was so excited. There was like no big outward. It all went inward like a little bomb, like a little, like a little Mm -hmm. rat. Uh Uh-oh. I don't know what happened. Well, was it worth it? You were late to our Harry Potter trivia night and we needed you and we lost. The questions were really hard. And me being there, because you were asking me, like grilling me, like if you had been here, we would have got one. And I don't think that was the case. I think you still would have lost. Yeah. They more made me feel bad. Like I wasn't a true fan. And I think everyone felt that way. Yeah. It was a lot of self-shaming going on in that room. It really was. It was a real sad place. It was like an AA meeting or something. It was. Like cold coffee and donuts and just sad tears. HP Anonymous. It's real bad. This is dark types. That was the cruel hand of fate. That's what that was. So anyways, they win. It's the best thing ever. They each walk away with $5 million tax-free. So that's... Yeah. I didn't... Is that in America too? No. In America, they would have each gotten like $2.5 million if they had won $10 million. They would have each gotten... No, they would have each gotten $3 million. So they would have gotten like seven. Yeah. Point five million. It takes twenty five percent. You you should have been buying your scratchers up in Canada, just making a monthly trip. I think it's it's really far away from us. Yeah, maybe. But I would really like to go to Canada. It's it's high on the list. I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna leave when I go. I know. I'm a little worried about that. So maybe I'll have to go with you, or just like hide somewhere when you're there and make sure that you get back on the plane. But what if you see me riding away on a moose (laughs) with a mountie? I'm going to make doubly sure you don't meet a handsome ER doctor because this doesn't end well. So uh, they immediately close the beauty parlor, which is wonderful. Um, and I have to ask the question, if we won $10 million. Would we quit the podcast? And we each walked away with $5 million, would you quit the podcast? I think we would still do it, but just not every week. I think we'd probably do it twice. Because every week is a lot. I think we do it twice a month. Was yeah. my thought. And I might pay someone to write the recaps for me. I understand. So they immediately closed the beauty parlor. And this solidifies what E.B. always thought was that she was meant for something bigger and better and the glamorous life. She immediately buys the big pink mansion in Thornhill. Mm-hmm. There's this weird reenactment scene of her walking in the door wearing a fur and... Joe is standing there holding a glass of champagne and like clinks her glass and goes almost like a butler though waiting for her. What was that? <laughs> in like this big like foyer and he says, yeah. "Here's to gambling." And I was like, "What? What's I'm happening?" I'm sorry you lost me over $7,000 over the years, honey, but now it was finally worth it. So I think that's like the dream sequence in Oklahoma. I think that's not real. I don't I think that's like part of 
like Oklahoma, her imagine imaginary world. Do you remember Oklahoma that, the musical? Yeah, I remember there's that huge. Please stop. No, I don't know Oklahoma the musical. Oh, there's this huge long dream sequence where Lori's not Lori. Like, it's not oh. Shirley Jones. It's played by someone else that doesn't really look like her. And it, oh, it's Shirley Jones in the movie? Oh, yeah. I do like Shirley Jones. Of course you do. Music and fan. I watch it. I know. That's why I love her. You should watch it. You should just get the feel of it. I don't know if you're going to like it. Um, anyways, it's a lot about, like, I'm a man, you're a woman. Lots of stuff like that uh. in Oklahoma. <laughs> Rogers and Hammerstein were not very into feminism. So. Well, Music Man has that song that about basically a. Hoochie Mama Lady is the one for me. What's it? How was it go? What's <laughs> it that goes, song? Um, I gotta look it up. Actually, Oklahoma has a song like that. It's I'm just a girl who can't say no. I'm in a terrible fix. Yeah, she's a girl that can't say no. So she's also uh, morally lacking. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He says um, no wholesome, wide-eyed, eager, or wholesome, innocent school teacher for me. The kind of girl spins webs, no spider ever. The, a girl who trades on all that purity merely wants to trade my independence for her security. Um, and then basically it goes into the sadder but wiser girl for me. Like, no, like, innocent girl who's blushing. Like, he wants a girl who's been through it because she's done some stuff and she's sad and wise. It's called the sadder but wiser girl for me. I got to look that up. That's rough. That is rough. Oh, he says, I hope and I pray for a Hester to win just one more A. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he wants a scarlet letter chick. Oh, my goodness. I smile. I grin when a girl with a touch of sin walks in. It's very sassy. He wants a hooker. I think so. Maybe. He doesn't wow. mention paying for it. I think he just wants one that is sad. Does he say anything about being the king of wishful thinking in there? No. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Mm -mm. Okay. Moving on. Uh, so not only does the money help them get into this huge pink mansion, it also kind of breathes new life into their marriage. I should mention that we are getting one of our interviews is with a new money financial advisor. I don't know what they called. A sudden wealth advisor. I wrote it down. I was fascinated. Just in I case. I want to meet with one. Can we have one on the show? No, because I just, lo I love hearing these stories, like how it just ruins people. It makes me feel better about being poor. Also, what an incredibly important job because you would need somebody who's- Just people who inherit a lot of money and right. want to invest it wisely. I think it's super smart. Um, but mm -hmm. there's probably also some- crazy stuff easy. Oh, I'm sure. I'm and lottery winners must be very confusing because they want to spend it mm -hmm. and you have to get them to like that's why I like that the lottery here has that version where you can collect an annuity like you can collect it over years, which I think is by far the smarter thing to do. You get it every month like a salary. Yeah, or no, you get it once a year, I think. I think they do it a yearly. Oh, maybe. Well, there's some though, there's set for life that give you a certain amount every month for like 25 years. That's, That's nice. a scratcher, though. Uh, we don't play those scratchers. It's too good to be true. Anyways, he says that there's like a new sense of life to lottery winners. And she, of course, immediately goes and buys, does what you're supposed to do, which is she buys both of her son's houses. She buys their businesses. She gives them each 100 grand cash on top of it. She pays off Joe's sister's mortgages. And she puts her niece, maybe the niece we met, through law school. Oh, maybe it is that niece. Maybe. Maybe. And then she goes, on top of all that, she goes to the Salvation Army and basically is giving out $100 bills because she said that there were times in her life when she felt like she needed that. Really a very sweet thing to do. Um, but then one of the interviews says that she really also liked the attention, which I think those two things are just going to go hand in hand. She wants to be generous. She maybe also wants a little bit of attention for being generous. Well, in the movie, and I can't believe this is the first time that I'm bringing this up, one of my all-time favorite movies, mm -hmm. It Could Happen to You. Mm -hmm. um, like, obsessed with that movie when I was younger. That's so funny. Watched it all the freaking time. I understand those movies. And... It is about winning the lottery and they start doing things like that, like just throwing money from like balloons and stuff like that. 
Um, and sometimes it goes well, but then sometimes it goes really badly. And then you start getting the phone calls from strangers in the middle of the night saying, yeah, please give me this money or I'm going to kill myself if you don't give me this money like right now. Yes. So this is, and it's actually like I love the lottery documentaries and stuff like that, because the the dynamics of actually winning the lottery and what a lot of people say is you want to be very quiet about it because I 100 percent would never have my photograph taken no. or my name in the paper. No, anything like that. And I think that if I did want to give, first of all, I would have to give money to every single person in my entire extended family. There's no way. So I think yeah, what I'd would. probably also do is not tell how much. If I had to tell them, I'd say I came into a little bit of money. Does the lottery people, do they make it public? I do think they have to make it public, but I think maybe you could do anonymous. I, there's got to be a way. This is America. Do you like have to? Do yeah, it pub- I would. Do it, um anonymously. I don't think that's right. (laughs) But the one thing that I thought immediately when they won is, did they give money to the women in the store? Was everybody's haircuts free that day? Oh, they should. Yeah, I I bet they did something like that for sure. It's a little like, peace out. Good luck finding another hair. Women are very loyal to their hairdressers. I know. Some women like at the, not like I get my haircut every few, like few years, but like people who actually care, they are loyal. They are. That's your person. Absolutely. And it becomes a big deal when you have to change the person. Yeah. Like we just had on the dateline the hairdresser that had the gun. She's like, I'm going to go take care of this sheriff. <laughs> I'll guard this guy from killing himself because <laughs> um, I have a gun because it's Texas. I'm a hairdresser and we're good at listening. We're hairdressers. It's what we do. They're made of tough stuff. So she gives a lot of it away, which is very sweet, no matter what, if she wants attention or what the reason, the fact that she's giving it away is wonderful. Um, but she does spend half of it, like 250 two, yeah, two, she had five, how much did she have? She had five million. She spent two point two and a half million in a couple of months. Yeah. So very but, months. But that's what's happening. She gave each of her children 800,000 approximately. So that goes very, very fast. Um, mm-hmm. But then after a few years, you know, the big win, like she she sort of starts to realize that the one thing that she's not going to be able to win or buy is her husband's affection. He is working long hours. Why didn't he quit his job or get a partner that could take some of the workload? I think some people just have to work. I know. A lot of people are like that. And so I don't think just won the lottery. Take six months off. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. It's already been like seven years. He's a gynecologist. His job is kind of important or an obstetrician. He's having babies. Babies are being delivered. He's got to go to work. Uh, You can stop at any time and then just see the patients. And when those babies are born, then you can stop. Just say no new patients. And then within nine months, you're done with all your patients. Well, you should have called him. I mean, I could be a sudden (laughs) wealth advisor. You could be a sudden wealth advisor. Mm -hmm. Um, But Joe starts to get, so when she starts to get suspicious again, Joe starts to get very defensive now when he's, when she's asking him questions about where are you? Why do you work 15 hours a day? And finally, her worst of worst fears are confirmed. A neighbor calls from her vacation home. So I think they have multiple properties that don't Mm -hmm. really talk a lot about it. Neighbor calls from their vacation home and says, Evie, I didn't know that you and Joe had broken up. And she says, we haven't. What do you what do you mean? What are you talking about? And the neighbor says, well, he is here with his girlfriend and a bunch of his doctor friends and their wives, which is the biggest slap, because it's not just that you were cheating on her. Yeah. People know about it. Your friend group knows about it. And that's embarrassing. Yeah. It's It's, horrible. It's uh, she's being made a fool of. Yeah. It's horrible. Awful. So now all Evie wants is revenge. She throws a like crystal thing paperweight. into the mirror, paperweight, yeah. and and smashes it like in the movies. But in real life, you got to clean that up. Well, maybe not if you have a lot of money. Maybe you have people to do that for you. Do you? I just um angrily threw a paperweight. Do you guys have a team that comes up and cleans up? Oh yes, ma'am. We have a team that does broken glass. Yeah. Is it the affair package? Yeah, okay, no problem. Get someone over right away. How many mirrors and or windows have been broken? Uh, The entire second and third floor. Okay, we'll be right there. What sort of vibe was it when you were throwing? Yeah, was it lemonade with the baseball bat? Taylor Swift with the golf club? What was it? Okay, I got it. 
I gave you that outfit. I'd rather be Roachbit. I just watched the Titus version again. The other oh. <laughs> I'm playing with your meatball. Okay. Anyways, um, she goes to the vacation home, confronts Joe there, and turns out Joe's had multiple affairs. So she's been kind of right all she along. She was right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she knew. But there is one in particular that hurts the most. Now, I don't know if I got the year on this right, so you might have to help me. The woman that Joe had been having an affair with, one of the women, was a friend of E.B. And also, this woman has been his personal secretary for the last 15 years. Yeah. I don't think they've been having an affair for 15 years, and I don't know how long they had an affair for. Wouldn't, if she's the personal secretary, she for sure knows about the other women that he's having an affair with. Right. So she's okay with being one of the affairs? How does that work? I don't know her. But she's his personal secretary. She definitely has his calendar. She's, yes. If they're patients, if he's meeting women that come in, like, that's gross, too, because they're, like, trying to have a baby or, or they're having a baby. And he's, like, having an affair with them. We don't know if that's the case. Also, he's, like, 60 or 70 at this point. The women that are having these babies are obviously much younger. So maybe I'm I'm wrong, and it's not women he's meeting through the office that he's having an affair with. Where is he meeting them? At the club? The country club? We don't know. Questions. So then we have a very dramatic scene where, in the reenactment, E.B. is putting a nail file into her little clutch fancy purse and you think she's going down to the office to kill yeah. the secretary gonna slit her throat i thought she was gonna stab her with a nail file and i was like hun that's not gonna work i thought she was gonna walk up like a vampire with a really long fingernail and just go across her neck oh interesting because she got up really close to her she did um and her lipstick's real red it's yeah. very jarring um and there's this really dramatic music that's like, it's like Jaws. And then she pulls out of her purse an envelope and it's a letter of termination. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but guess what? Mistress is not going to go quietly into the night and sues six figures for wrongful termination. Oh, oh. Can you um, sue for wrongful termination if you were sleeping with the boss? Yeah, sure can. And you're going to win. Because yeah. he was the boss? Yeah. And he was in a position of power over you? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to win. Um, she's, he's very smart to settle out of court. But Maybe he, not back then in the 2000s. I, I think so. I think absolutely she would have won. You don't think so? What case are you thinking of that you wouldn't win that? I don't know. I'm pretty I don't, sure. I honestly don't, just don't know. Because the only reason that she's being fired is because she slept with him. And it has nothing to do with her job performance. Yeah, you're right. No, you're totally right. So what's more weird is that... Unless there was a morality clause or something. Some companies have morality clauses. But in that case, the boss was breaking it as well. Right. So then what's that mean? But it's like a private practice. I don't know what the rules are in a private practice. Me neither. Um, On that show, private practice, anything went and they were all sleeping with each other. (laughs) Well, then we should use that as... The standard. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/specialoffer. All lowercase. That's Shopify.com/specialoffer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So he very quickly transfers all of his money. Joe transfers all of his money and his assets into EB's name, which is the smart thing to do because then she won't be able to probably get as much money. But it's real dumb. Doesn't it's so dumb because EB's real mad. Yeah. But wouldn't also a judge be able to see he had just transferred it? 
or it doesn't matter when it was transferred. It's not there anymore. It's in her name. It's owned by both of them. So, yeah, I think it's she's going after. He his, obviously did it for that reason. He's going after. She's going after his personal assets. I'm not sure how it works. And I know zero about Canadian law. So I got nothing. Um, but E.B. still stays with Joe even after this, because according to the interviews, she thinks she's too old to move on and start over. And to that, I say hogwash. E.B., yeah. get out there. Ourtime.com, Match.com, Farmers Only, whatever floats your boat. Canadians only, Mounties only, mm-hmm. go do this. Um, because I don't, I think she should have left him. And I really now think she should have left him. Oh, for sure. But naturally, EB becomes really depressed uh, and starts drinking and gambling a lot. And from about, I would say, five minutes ago, we never see EB without a giant glass of wine in her hand. So much wine in the B roll. It's all just boozy wine shots, like blurry wine shots the whole rest of the episode. And I'm going to give the makeup artist a ton of prop because they started to give E.B. rosacea. They gave her really, really red cheeks, like it's uh, petechia, like what a lot of people with fair skin happens if you're like uh, abusing alcohol. It was unbelievably accurate. Wow, that's interesting. It was so well done. I thought that that makeup artist knows what she's doing. So Evie is going out and basically just spending all the money that Joe transferred to her. She is revenge spending, as they say. She's, I didn't know that phrase, but I didn't either. Used it like it was a real phrase. Also, why couldn't that have been the title? So playing the slots. She's doing high risk investing. She basically is just whatever might have her help her lose the money quickest. She's doing it. It's very sad. Um, Mm -hmm. She mortgages all of the properties to like the hilt and then maxes out all the credit cards. So she she just spends all of his money. Self-destructive. Yeah, completely. So now it's about four years after she's won the lottery. And Joe has decided at this time that he is going to retire. He's done with his practice. So it took him four years and then he decided. But still, I agree with you. I would have done it much sooner than that. Uh, So he's meeting with his accountant. No, but it has been seven years already since she won. So if it's four more years, then it's 11 years. Sorry about that. Yeah, I wrote down four years after she wins the lottery, but it's probably four years after. The affair? Interesting. Which was seven years after? I don't have. Or maybe the seven years was when the end happens. And it's like, so maybe it was three years and then four years been many years. Um, and he goes to his accountant who is fresh out of accounting school. He's fresh out of University of the Phoenix. And he wants to figure out what retirement would look. Sorry, he looks very he looks like a baby would figure out what retirement would look like for him. Like how comfortable can he be? Can he buy? You thought he looked like a baby? Oh, uh, yeah. In my head, he kind of looked like a baby. Maybe a baby. Maybe he's a new actor. So, of course, you think he's cute. <laughs> he was cute. He's a cute baby. Right. There you go. And so this scene cracked me up because the doctor's being kind of smug because he thinks he's got, like, you know, money in the bank. Showed you what you drank. Yeah. And the accountant is, like, looking very uncomfortable. And, like, he's asking him, well, have you not talked to your wife about how much is left in the account? And he's like, no. How much is it? How much is it? And the account goes click, 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 click Kill me. on a giant fatty calculator, like old the big, like not old school. I think people still use them. Accountants still use them. A 10 key. Yeah. And so he's type, 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 type. And then he flips it and pushes it. Ac- Slides it across the table. Like a mob Like deal. they're making negotiations mm-hmm. for like, hiring. For someone. a ransom. Yeah. And so ransom. slides it across the table and he looks at it and he says, what is he say? He says, no. No way. That can't be right. Like, but the thing that kills me is then they proceed to tell us how much money he has left. So then why in the reenactment did they not have him just say it? That's drama, Kimberly. <laughs> it's, it's well, so... does it help you to know that I rewound it twice looking to see because I kept thinking because I was typing. So I kept thinking I was missing the number on the calculator. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> kept having to go back. And it's like right next to the commercial. So I was about to prompt the commercial. One thing about these ID shows, I don't think they have a ton of time to film. So I don't think they have a lot of close up insert shots. Of things. Right. 
There you go. So there, I will remember that for next time when I'm going back and back and back. Bottom line, he has a net worth now of only $200,000, which is kind of crazy because he has been an obstetrician all of his life and set aside quite a lot of money. He's a saver. So, I know, and then, but at the same time, I was like, God, you're not destitute. You still have $200,000. I mean, I'm sure if you had made millions, you would be pissed, but. Do you know how that's, you need much more than that to retire? Oh, I know. It's not going to last it, but if he could, he might just need to go back to work. He seemed to really like work and the clovi. Okay. So you're not that mad that she spent all his money. I mean, he did, he did kind of deserve it. Um, So he goes back to that pink mansion and demands that she give him part of her lottery winnings, which she very, very smartly kept separate from him, which I kind of liked. Uh, And she won't tell him where it is. She won't tell him where she's kept the money, you know, I, at which point I'm thinking, is it cash? Why Why are we looking for like gold bars? What are we looking for? And he says, fine, don't tell me I am selling your beloved mansion. So the pink palace is going on the market. Um, we get at this point right before commercial, some very odd B-roll of Evie crying into a large mirror, wearing lots of rhinestones and makeup and the mascaras like smearing and the lipstick is smearing. It's very alarming. Yeah, and she's looking at herself in the mirror and does it's like doesn't recognize what she sees. Yeah, with a big glass of brandy in her hand. Which is why she doesn't recognize what she sees. Yeah, who is that? Oh, I feel bad for her. So now we're at the summer of 2003. I know that date. And they're meeting at lunch with a real estate agent to sign papers to sell the home. And her cheeks are very, very red at this lunch. Um, she's also acting extremely unstable. And she's like tipping over her wine glass and saying, do you love me? Please tell me you love me. Do you love me, Joe? Joe? She says it over and over and over again until finally like the lunch kind of ends in because he has to take her out of there because she's kind of causing a scene at whatever luncheon place Mm -hmm. they are. Joe takes her away from the lunch and she goes back to the pink palace and lies down on the couch. And she says, I'm really not feeling well. He puts a blanket over her and then... Hours and hours go by, night falls, he comes back to check on her and find out she's not breathing. Evie did. Dun, dun, dun. Get it. Which, the whole episode, you really don't know who's going to die here. That is true. You, I honestly, I was like, is she going to kill someone or is someone going to kill her? I thought she was going to kill the woman. And when they said she- They made us think that for sure. I thought she might hire someone because she had all this money now. Mm-hmm. That was my thought. So her sudden death brings a lot of questions. We get an interview with a forensic examiner. Uh, I think it's a forensic examiner. I'm not sure who it was exactly. Um, but they find tiny puncture wounds on her feet and on the backs of her knees. A medical examiner. Was it a medical examiner? I thought so, like a coroner. I thought the title said forensic something. And so I think I just mushed words together. I could be totally wrong. They might also might be called something else in Canada. Don't know. Um, but she has like these wounds in places where you, if you were ha- trying to hide uh, needle drug use, that's where the holes would be. She also has all of her jewelry on, on the metal slab in the autopsy. The, the, um, Why didn't they the take coroners. Maybe that they just hadn't taken it off yet. That's very strange. In the morgue. That's what the, the word is morgue. Um, Why why was that? Because hmm. she's naked. Like, they have them naked so they can examine them. But she is still wearing these huge diamond earrings and a necklace and rings. I think they take those stuff off. When do they take them off, though? I feel like before you got to the table. But I could be totally... I don't know exactly how that I feel works. like the police would take it if they were looking at something. But maybe they weren't looking at something then. But I feel like anyways, they would take it off to offer to give to the family. Yeah, agreed. I don't know how it works. Why am I actually like, I know how it works. It's okay. <laughs> So they think that maybe she was a secret drug user. But when they run a blood test, they find a very high concentration of lidocaine and something called bipuvacaine. Not not saying that right. Bipuvacaine. Mm, Not sure. It doesn't sound right. But anyways, these are both anesthesias. And the by by whatever a cane Mm -hmm. is used in an epidural. Yeah. So don't don't don't. The coroner figures out that what had happened was that Joe had given her a combination of the two drugs that had caused her death. Because neither one by themselves was at a toxic level, but the combination would cause death. So 
The detectives or the Mounties, whatever they're called, they confront Joe and he says that he did give her painkillers on the day of her death, but only because he needed to take her blood so he could go and get it tested. He, Why do you need to take give someone painkillers before you take blood? thought that myself and I feel like the next logical um, sentence that was missing here was that he needed to say she really didn't like needles. So he was going to give her some pain medicine to relax her? Yeah. She's not, wasn't in pain. She was just very out of it. So what it was like a sedative to calm her down so she could draw blood, but you have to use a needle to inject the sedative. So then why don't just use it to take the blood? But he's not using a needle right here. He's using a needle elsewhere on her body, whereas she wouldn't like, you know what I'm saying? Like if he's down by her feet, he can like hold up a blanket and use it on her toes. I don't know. This is all if that's actually what he did. And he also did not give her painkillers. He gave her anesthesia. He gave her stuff to put her to bed. So no, why lidocaine is pain. Is it pain? Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, then I don't know. That's why I kept being like, but she's not. Oh, that's right. Because, of course, the other one's for an epidural. too. Yeah, that's really weird. But they also for pain. But they're also going to put her out. The light. The second one might be a numbing. Lidocaine has numbing procedure, too. Lidocaine is used as like a topical or local anesthetic. Mm -hmm. So. Like I have lidocaine patches for my neck. But also they'll inject your skin with lidocaine if they're doing a local procedure. But this is very strange that he would it's use... It's never injected into you, like... Into your bloodstream. Into your bloodstream, like a, t- a huge dosage. Because the, they said it, that reporter guy who looks just like Quentin Tarantino said it doesn't do anything. He looked exactly like Quentin Tarantino. I'm going to do a side-by-side. I didn't see it. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like he should have come up with a better story. His story does not make a lot of sense. If you're a gyno... You don't pick something that's used for an epidural to commit murder. No. You've got to think outside the box here. It's leading him right back to you. It's really stupid. Are you even trying? Not really. I don't think he thought they would find it for some reason. But remember. But there were puncture marks all over her. No, there weren't. They were very small. The image they showed was like a big red. It looks like she was bit by a mosquito. But that's like zoomed in. Like, no, they were very small and they were in places that were hidden. That's why they thought it was so suspicious is that he didn't just like give her a shot in the butt or, you know, in the shoulder. He gave her these very strategic shots that maybe if she was really out of it, she wouldn't even notice that she was getting shots. No, I think it was to make, was it that or was it to make it look like she was a secret drug user? Because they're the locations the secret drug users use. Could have been that too. But in that case, he would have had to use other kinds of drugs or maybe he's saying she stole drugs from my office and injected them even though they're the wrong drugs to do but he he would have to like leave some around if they were to have like a secret stash of her somewhere why do you think that's why can't it just be that he was trying to hide the punctures because they specifically said it's where secret drug users inject themselves because he was trying to keep it a secret Like how drug users try to keep it a secret when they inject themselves there. I thought it was more to try to make it look like she was a secret drug user because he was saying how out of it she was and she was on, you know, using alcohol. So maybe she was abusing drugs, too. I thought they even said that. They said that, but he never said that. But you could be right. I could have misunderstood. I think it was more that he was trying to hide that like they had maybe thought that she had died of cardiac arrest. And that he was trying to hide that he had actually injected her with something. Well, he underestimated the coroners in that city. He underestimated every step of the way on this. So then he tries to draw her blood, which is the reason for giving her these drugs, and gives up because he can't find a vein. Okay. Oh, my God. Was there even a mark to show that he had tried? Yeah, that's a really good question. Because I've had that happen many times where they can't get a vein. It usually leaves a bruise. Yeah, it scars up your arms. Oh, my goodness. Also, very weirdly, he waits two hours after finding her dead to call the paramedics. But how do they know this unless they don't have an exact time of death, right? He could have said he found her when he called 911. No one's in his house watching him. I have absolutely no idea. So did he volunteer that information? I have no idea. I found her at 10. 
I called you guys at midnight. I sat with her and cried. And then I called. I was too, I was too distraught. Right. Because I had, I, someone who was vowed to save lives, had inadvertently taken the one that was most important to me. And if he didn't use that line, he should have. He should have. Didn't Dang use it. CPR. Too, yeah. It was too painful. Too painful. It's too painful, Kimberly. When I learned CPR as a young doctor, I vowed I would never use this on a loved one because I, it would be too painful. difficult, too yeah. painful. Yeah. So what's happening here is the motive is money. Let's get down to it. Yeah. Uh, the morning after E.B. dies, the good doctor goes to the bank and immediately takes out the safety deposit box because he's like, well, here's where she kept the lottery money. But couldn't he have gone before? I don't think she would give it. She wouldn't let him have the key. Where? But where was it? If she was hiding it, he wouldn't know where it was after he killed her. Is there a possibility she wore it around her neck? That's the only possibility that makes sense. Uh But he certainly could have waited till she was passed out one night and taken it off. They show a scene where she's sleeping. She's a heavy sleeper from the alcohol. I also have a feeling she may have been on a few medications. And if he really wanted to do this cleanly, it probably would have been. This is the only reason Overdose with the medications. I kind of right. I kind of believe somewhat of I, I'm scratching my head just a little bit because I'm like, this is so dumb. I don't think he's that dumb because all you have to do. I think he was do... framed. Maybe he was framed by the personal assistant who got fired. And he's covering for her. Oh, he does admit that he gave her some drugs. Yeah, immediately. We'll, we'll come back to it. So he goes and looks at the safety deposit box. Of course, it's empty. So now he has to go back to the house and try to hunt for the money. And I got really excited because I thought that he was going to be looking for gold. I really thought that he was going to start digging up the backyard. And I got really excited. Like um, chipping away the bricks at the fireplace. Yes, feeling a loose panel on the wall and he presses it and then the wall spins around. Yeah, like that. But no, that's not what happens at all. He starts going through stuff at the house and finds out, first of all, that Evie is eight years older than she says she is. Good for her, girl. I did not see that coming at all. I'm going to start doing that. That's bananas. What? I was shocked. How do you get away with that from your husband? I mean, she she must just be aging well. He would never. Suspect. She does. I mean, she's she's beautiful. Um, but eight, uh, yeah, it's a whole, almost a decade. I yes. feel like okay, yeah, that's bananas. Um, so here's where everything comes out. Apparently, before E.B. met Joe, she had been married to someone else in Canada. So when she came over from Hungary, she met someone. And that someone in her got married and had a baby. This is way before she met Joe. Mm-hmm. But then her and that first husband split up and she made the decision to leave her son, leave that baby behind with her ex-husband to raise him. So yeah. the son was raised by the dad. Never spoke to him. Never at all until he's fully grown. They meet up again. And for the last 20 years. And he's cute. Mm-hmm. For the last and they make you think she's sleeping with him. They absolutely do. So that's the scene that I thought I had missed. Me in too. This. I literally clicked on the thing thinking I had missed an entire segment. So I think what happened is he, they have like an intro going into commercial that makes you think she's sleeping with a younger man. That's the segment, right? But I thought there but was then another even, segment. Even in the main part of the show, they say, and several secrets and it cuts to that. But then it goes on to like move about the story. And you're like, what, what? She just put her hands on this guy and they're drinking wine together at dinner. Did I miss that part? It sounded like a recap of something that had happened in the previous before the previous commercial break. But it was actually a foreshadowing to something we were going to learn about later. I'm really glad that that was what you thought you missed, too, because I was like, OK, so I'm These ID shows, they keep you on your toes, man. They do. But I was shocked because she had, we were kind of led to believe that she was having an affair with a much younger man. You are led to believe because there is, forget what I said about no close-ups. They do have a close-up of her hand that's a little bit older woman hand touching his young hand. And he kind of gives her a look that you think is like a sexy look. He says you look gorgeous tonight or something. Oh, see? And then they're drinking wine and it's like, oh, she's a sugar mama. Okay. So more power to her. Kimberly, she's an actual mama. She's an actual mama. Yeah. 
She's a real mama. They got me. Turns out she'd been meeting for the last 20 years. Same amount of time she's been, no, shorter time that she's been playing the lottery, but same amount of time that Joe's been cheating on her uh, with her son. That's the affair she's been having is with Mm -hmm. her son in these secret meetings. So here we go. Here's where I had my epiphany of the episode, which I'm now calling Kepiphany. Um, Why the heck wouldn't someone that's training to be a gynecologist or an actual gynecologist be able to tell that EB had already given birth? I don't know as much about that area as I should, but it is surprising to me as well. That's OBGN 101. Like you would know the Clovis changes or if she had had a surgery, if she had had a C-section, there would be a large scar. Let's have some ladies who were, let's have some moms weigh in. Moms weigh in. And I don't know if there is a huge difference, but I feel like there is something specific that like they can tell when there's been, I don't want to say the word trauma, but kind of like a something to that area, there is a way for them to tell. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I would like, think. There definitely is. But he was still new at his job at that time. He was just getting into, he hadn't even started his practice yet. When he That's was why he should have Down known. there with her when they were. He's literally in training to be a specialist. Do you find that a little funny? That well, he now would I do, not, yeah. That he would not be able to tell that? Joe, you got explained in to do. Maybe he, sus- he suspected there was something, but she didn't want to talk about it. And that's why he, um, oh, you think that maybe he thought it was something that happened in Hungary. That's, that's interesting. And he was a gentleman and decided not to ask. She'll tell me when she's ready. And then over time, you just sort of forget about it. Right. Okay, but that's my epiphany for the episode. Yeah. It was a big one. It's um, huge. Yeah. That, it's not quite water shoes. Water shoes is like a 10. This is like a 6.3. No, this is good. And I'm here. I bet we're going to get a lot of responses from people. I know. And I'm really sorry because I feel really bad because both Kimberly and I have not had children. So I, I don't know exactly. But I feel like, but maybe you wouldn't. Maybe I'm just being a moron and you definitely would not be able to tell. In some people, you would not be able to tell if they'd had a baby. I'm sure in some case, I mean, some women don't even know they're pregnant. Um, but also, that's she the show we should be covering. That's true. But that's she one would of my have, favorite shows. But she would have just had a baby. Like within the last, keep that in mind, ladies. She would have had a baby within the last two years when she met Joe. Yeah, that it's, it is odd. We don't know. There are questions here. Sorry, speaking of, I didn't know I was pregnant in, in one of the drag race seasons. There's a, a comedy routine and the girl goes... I want, I want to just sit on a toilet and come out a mother. That's what <laughs> uh, it cracked me up. Okay. Anyways, um, so back to Evie. She felt so bad about abandoning her first son that what she did is she bought him a better life and she bought herself a little less guilt for abandoning him with a check for $2 million. Yeah. She gave him the money, uh, which is... I don't know. I felt like that was unbelievably sweet. And I probably would have done the same thing just to buy yourself more sleep at night. Good for Mm -hmm. you. So Joe is put on trial for manslaughter because for some reason they don't think that they can get him on murder charges. He's given seven years. Canada. 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 Um, It doesn't matter, though. Every time I hear about a Canadian case, though, they get no years. It's always shocking to oh. every time. Every time I hear one on case file, any time I hear a Canadian case, I'm like, oh, what? They're or very like, nice. They get a work study program. So, okay. Um, he killed his whole family. <laughs> okay. He can be rehabilitated. Yes. But sometimes it's shocking to hear s- seven years. But so, in this case, it doesn't matter. Thank goodness. It doesn't. Oh, by the way, and the judge implies at the sentencing that this may not have been an accident because manslaughter means it was an accident, uh, that it's very much closer to murder because it was clearly premeditated because he brought the drugs home. Oh, yeah. They knew that. They just weren't sure they could win that. So they lowered it. That's totally why. My question is also, when did he bring the drugs home? That would be very telling. Have you had them at home for a while because Mm. she's been ill or I don't know? 
But again, those are not drugs you would give to someone who's ill. Again, you're totally right. So he actually dies a few years into his prison sentence. That's why I was saying it didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. Uh, We get to see some beautiful old vintage pictures of E.B., who's just beautiful, like Audrey Hepburn stunning in one of them, where you're just, oh, my goodness. Um, But blonde. Were people just prettier back then? Yeah. 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 So, Less or was preservatives it... in the food. Yeah. Maybe. Um, like lots of oomph. You have to live through things. And so oh, you get yeah. that like beautiful, you know, I was going to say heroin face, but heroin has a double meaning. I mean like heroic face. Um, so anyways, uh, so I guess the cruel hand of fate means that winning the lottery doesn't make any sense. Winning the lottery brought E.B. joy because she was able to give it away. But ultimately, it cost her everything. But fate. Her life. Yeah, okay. I get it. Just just maybe depends on what I'm thinking about fate. Thinking fate is like fated. But maybe they just mean that's what happened and it was ironic. So that's fate. The irony being, the irony being, like one person says at the beginning, when you win the lottery, that's the end of your good fortune. That's ironic. Also, the irony being that he killed her for the money, which was already gone. Yeah. Did he kill her for the money? Yeah, he did. He killed her for the lottery money. But there was no life insurance money. We don't hear anything about that. Yeah, we didn't hear about life insurance. Interesting. All right, but that's it. That's our first episode for Murder by Numbers. Is there... Nope. Numbers up. Your numbers up. Not Murder by Numbers. Murder by Numbers, I believe... They talk about like four body cams, three cell phone pings. Oh, really? It's not like serial killers where they have a high number of bodies? Walmart receipts. And I could be totally wrong. There was also a movie. Was that that movie with Sandra Bullock? Was that called Murder by Numbers? Yeah, there is a movie. Was that like math took place in it? Maybe. I think that hot guy was in it, though. It was a beautiful mind meets the bone collector, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. That cute guy from... Um, was Kevin Bacon in that? No. Unsure. Yeah. I don't think I don't, so. I don't know either. But I hope you guys enjoyed your numbers up. Because our number is up now. I meant like the show's over. Yeah, it was a good outro. I liked it. Yeah. <gasps> Bye, everybody. Stay safe out there. Bye.